our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Force has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where you listen because you don't want to believe, you listen because you want to know. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for tuning in. Every week, there are new listeners, so to you joining us for the first time, welcome to the Veritas family, and I hope you enjoy the show, our blog, our chats, our music, our forum, and much more. And yes, our forum... We have a forum almost ready. Visit the website periodically, and you will see it shortly. If you need to get in touch with me, with comments or questions, send me an email to mail, that's M-E-L, at veritasshow.com. And our Facebook page continues to grow in just a few days. Just head to Facebook and look for The Veritas Show. This is a great way for me to communicate with you. Tonight's special guest is Sergeant Clifford Stone, UFO Crest Retrievals and Technology. We have received a new Veritas video contest submission. This one comes from Paul, all the way from Sheffield, United Kingdom. It is another well-made video to help us spread the word. Paul, you really summarized the show in four minutes. Good job. Keep sending videos. The contest ends on March 31st. I want to extend my sincere appreciation to John Lear. Last Friday, I communicated with John to extend an invitation to our chat with you, the audience. Not expecting it, what was scheduled to be a one-hour chat with me turned out to be a four-hour chat with John Lear. He fielded all sorts of questions and truly showed us he really enjoys interacting with his fans. Without making any promises, I have also extended the same invitation to Sergeant Clifford Stone for tonight's chat on Friday, February the 20th at 8 p.m. Pacific Time. If you're listening to this show prior to 8 p.m., join us. Who knows? Maybe he'll join us too. But don't hold my feet to the fire. He's a man in demand. 
Next week's special guest on Friday, February the 27th, is Jim Sparks, author of The Keepers. He will share with us his multiple abduction experiences. Folks, I have read his book, and you have to listen to his experience. It is absolutely fascinating. And on Friday, March the 6th, Grant Cameron, UFOs and Presidents. And some headlines. Due to the limited amount of time we have today, I'm just going to read to you some of the headline titles. For the rest of the story, just head to our blog. Flying Saucer to be created in Russia. Mitsubishi Lancer sideswiped by UFO. Scientists teleport matter more than three feet. And this one is not a new report. However, I decided to post it again. Alien dark side after cattle mutilation. Now it's human mutilation. And let me warn you, that is a report that contains images that are not for the faint of heart. So read at your own peril. And the reason why I posted it is due to the fact that we have Sergeant Clifford Stone and also Jim Sparks next week to discuss his abduction experience. Ronald Reagan and Russian leader Gorbachev promoted a false flag alien invasion to unite the world. And finally, NASA airbrushed buildings on the moon. Let's take a quick break and get ready for a fascinating journey with a man who lived a double life, a legend in the UFO community, Sergeant Clifford Stone, UFO Retrievals and Technology. If you want to know what happens when someone is deployed to ground zero, when a UFO crashes, you don't want to miss this interview. Don't go anywhere. situation is we've set back we've told the American people that there's no such thing as UFOs I've been involved where we have recovered these objects we know them to be of extraterrestrials in 1969 I had an event that happened to me while I was stationed at Fort Lee Virginia we went to Indiantown Gap Pennsylvania 
That would be my first exposure to any time that we would be recovering an unidentified flying object. When we went there, we already had people that was already in the, in the facility. We were a backup team, which was supposed to be NBC, because there was supposed to be some nuclear materials that was on board this craft. Later on, most people involved would have been, were, were to be told that there was nothing on board. It was nothing more than just a crash of one of our aircraft. I know better because I was one of the people that approached it with a Geiger counter to get surface readings. I was the first person to go ahead and see that there were bodies on it. That would be the first of approximately 12 events. UFO crashes are not events that take place every day. They're rare. I know we're not alone in the universe. I know that the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. It's evidence that has been denied to the American people. I stand before you today in my almighty God and I tell you this, if Congress calls me in and says, will you testify in detail what you know, I stand here today prepared and ready to do just that. Governments must never lie to the people for no reason. Thank you. Specialist Sergeant Clifford Stone was born in Portsmouth, Ohio. At an early age, he has memories of being contacted by extraterrestrials, and that contact continues today. At age eight, he was befriended by an Air Force captain, and that relationship continued through his early adult life. During the Vietnam War, he felt an obligation to enlist in the Air Force, but was rejected due to a skin affliction and classified 4F. He was advised by his friend, the captain, to try the Army. And after a lenient medical examination, he was allowed into the Army as a clerk typist, a job he never had to fulfill. In the world of UFO research, the name of retired Army Sergeant Clifford Stone is nearly a legend. Decorated Vietnam combat veteran who served 22 years, Stone claims that he led a double life from the late 60s through his retirement in 1990. While officially assigned to an NBC team, nuclear, biological, and chemical retrieval and abatement detail. He asserts that he also served on top-secret UFO crash retrieval missions, where he had physical contact with downed ET craft and interactions with captured non-human life forms. The official NBC team assignment allegedly served as a cover for those highly secretive and compartmentalized operations. Over a period of nearly 40 years, Stone has amassed one of the largest private collections of authentic government documents clearly establishing the hard reality of the UFO phenomenon. And directly from Roswell, New Mexico, Sergeant Clifford Stone. Hello, Sergeant Stone, and welcome to the Veritas Show. How are you? Fine. Thank you kindly, sir. Thank you for being with us. Sergeant Stone, as many of our loyal listeners know, you recently participated in a fascinating interview on Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. And if we can start with an open question from that discussion. You mentioned, Sergeant, that you were originally drawn to joining the United States Air Force due to your early childhood friendship with an Air Force officer, but that you were unable to qualify since you had a skin affliction and were given 4F, which has qualified you from service. And for those listening who may not know what 4F means, it means you are not qualified to serve in the armed forces. You can't even enlist or be drafted, and it's very rare. First, can you quickly explain the issues, if you would? What affliction? Well, it's, you know, a lot of people joke about it. It's called the heartbreak of psoriasis. 
But if you have psoriasis, there's not really any cure for it. Back then, there was very little treatment for it. And they were concerned that there could be problems in particular uh, assignments that you might be given. Therefore, when I went to uh, Fort Hayes for my uh, uh, physical and they found out about it, they immediately went ahead and stated, well, you know, sorry, but you're 4F. So it looked like I wasn't ever going to get in the military. And it's intriguing. Uh, who was this Air Force officer? Was he a family member, friend, neighbor? No. Obviously, go ahead. Actually, uh, back in 57, I had what I knew close up and personal was a UFO sighting. I had other experiences prior to that, but this was the first time, uh, broad daylight, 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, not more than 50, 60 feet in, in the sky. Uh I saw a UFO, and like I said, up close and personal. Uh, I found when I went and told my mom and dad, they just didn't believe it, that it was a flight of fantasy. When I tried to tell other people, I found they didn't believe it. But I took an interest in UFOs. Anyhow, one day we had uh, what was called uh, Kelso's Drug Store on the corner of the block that I lived on, and they had a little newsstand there, and they'd have some UFO publications, things of this sort. Uh, they came out with a uh, True Magazine UFO issue. Well, True Magazine being uh, a men's magazine and I being eight years old, disregard the fact all it was about was UFOs and nothing else, they refused to uh, sell it to me. Sure. An Air Force captain, full uniform, came up to me and he says, oh, you have an interest in UFOs. And I said, yes, sir. He says, so do I. So he went ahead and asked if I liked root beer floats. I remember that well, because at that time I was about to mix uh, soda pop and ice cream. Now, is this in New Mexico or Ohio? No, sir. This was in Ohio, Portsmouth, Ohio. And that's where I was born and raised for the most part. Uh, Anyhow, he went ahead, bought two copies of the magazine, uh, root beer float. Then he wanted to talk about what I had seen. At the time, I didn't even think about how he knew that I had seen anything. But we went to my home after we finished the root beer floats, and he says, well, i got to ask your parents if you can have this magazine. If it's yes, you can have it. So we went there. He talked to my mom, and my dad got home. He talked to my dad. And uh, when he started to leave, he gave me the magazine and says, we're going to talk more about this subject. And I come to find out he knew a whole lot more about me and some of the experiences that I'd had which for the first time it really felt good because now I had somebody uh, whom I respected uh, as an individual and as well as being in the military uh, that was really listening to what I was saying and not trying to say I was crazy. And we became friends all the way up till 1968, which time he got killed in a uh, crash of a T-33 out of Lockburn Air Force Base. Obviously he influenced your interest in service, I think was, he was meant to do that. Do you think he was following you? Oh, I think very much so, sir. It sounds too coincidental. You're there at a root beer soda shop buying a magazine, and all of a sudden you get somebody so interested in what you had to say. Um, was I'm, he aware of your early childhood experiences with both oh, ETs yes. and invisible visitors? Oh, yes. And was this officer really a friend, a mentor, or, or some sort of controller? Well, 
I still to this day consider him as a friend because uh, we, you know, he wasn't demanding. He didn't go ahead. Are you sure of this? Are you sure of that? From time to time, when we hit upon a subject, uh, he'd want more detail on it, and sometimes that got to be frustrating. Once again, being only about eight years old at the time. Since it's interesting that you had no problem qualifying for the U.S. Army, where you were immediately assigned to UFO issues. And as you have stated, you were later informed that the 4F designation was a mistake. I want you to explain that, if you could. Had you told this officer or your family about your childhood UFO experiences? Are you referring to Captain Brown? Uh, yes. Well, oh, yes. Uh, I went into great detail with Captain Brown as to my experiences. Uh, I'd like to point out something, that when it comes to people actually having interfacing with uh, the UFO entities, it's not something that can be taught in school. It's something, in short, from childhood, something happens. And I think our visitors are learning from the person or the persons whom they choose about our social interaction, uh, how we think, how we feel, things of this sort. But I think it is a lifelong process. And for lack of a better term, from a very early age till the day you die, if you're chosen by them, there's some form of contact. It may be as you get a little older, it becomes less and less, but there's something there. But these are the people that they need in order to do the interfacing with our, our visitors. And why, they can't just go out and recruit them. Why do you believe you were chosen, if you, if you could use that word? I have no idea. To this day, I still feel like I'd be the least likely candidate. Uh, I, I, I can't answer that question. You mentioned having real, not imaginary, invisible friends as childhood friends, and that you had a particular visitor named Corona, with a K, not like the Mexican beer. Can you elaborate on these early experiences and whether anyone else in your family had these experiences as well? My family caught glimpses of things. Uh, when I say my uh, family, uh, my cousins, Herbie Stevens, Larry Stevens, my mother, my aunt, uh, Aunt uh, Aunt and uh, my mother both uh, observed some things. My Aunt Wynn, uh, she was very much into spiritualism, and they sometimes would think that she was crazy, but I'd go ahead and I'd take offense to that and I'd defend my aunt. And it wasn't because it was the spiritualism aspect. I didn't see it as that. I knew that there was something more, something much more to what I was experiencing. But at the same time, uh, I'd be having certain problems and they'd try to help me work through those problems. But they'd always tell me no one else can see us. But there were times that others did. Uh, but it's a, it's a gradual process. The way I got to see uh, Corona as he really looked was the day that I accidentally killed a little bird. Uh, I'd always see him as children looking very much like any other children. But I was always cautioned by them, be careful what you say to us or even acknowledge us when you're around other people because they can't see us. And when... 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.